Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We welcome you all to another session. We ask Allah Jalla wa to make it beneficial and grant us all goodness. Ameen. Bismillah. Today we will be looking at some of the stories in the eighth juz. We find the eighth juz, the beginning or the first half, is a continuation of Surah Al-An'am. Thereafter, Allah Jalla wa begins with Surah Al-A'raf. Allah Jalla wa mentions a few different stories. He mentions again the story of Adam and how he was created. He then mentions how Adam السلام, came down from Jannah. After that, he mentions the story of the people of Al-A'raf. Who are people, the people of Al-A'raf? What are their qualities? What did they do? And later on, he mentions some of the Anbiya in detail. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's uh, unfortunate you can't see me uh, once again. Masai, <laughs> shall I try with the other phone? I actually tried the old phone. I thought I had sorted it out. But let me try with the other phone, inshallah. Okay, inshallah. We will wait for you. I will just okay. give a brief overview of some of the stories as we wait. Okay, inshallah. My apologies. So Allah Jalla wa'ala begins by mentioning the story. He speaks about how he decided to create Adam alayhi salam. The malaika and everybody who was there to prostrate to Adam. The malaika, the angels, they prostrated. As for Iblis, he did not prostrate. And one of the reasons he mentions, he tells Allah that how can I prostrate to him? I am better than him. You created me from the fire. As for Adam, you created him from clay, mud, or soil. After that, Allah speaks about how Iblis didn't prostrate. They then lived in Jannah. Adam السلام, was given access to everything in Jannah, and he was told not to come close to a tree. What happened? Iblis eventually whispers. He whispers to Adam السلام, and tells him, the only reason your creator doesn't want you to come close to the tree is so you don't live forever or you don't become angels. And he tried to tell them that, you know what, I'm from al-Nasihin, I'm from your well-wishes, and I really want goodness for you. So eat from the tree. Adam السلام, eventually eats from the tree, and Allah Jalla mentions that the clothing came out. And he then told Adam, did I not tell you, alam anhakuma, did I not tell both of you, Adam and his wife, that don't eat from the tree? Eventually Allah Jalla speaks about his tawbah, and how he accepted his tawbah. The next story Allah Jalla wa'ala speaks about is the story of the people of Al-A'raf. We find that they are the people of Jannah, the people of Jahannam, the people of Paradise, the people of the Hellfire. Then there are those people in between, the people known as Al-A'raf, neither in Jannah nor in Jahannam. Who exactly are they? The Mufassirin mention a few different types of people. What's quite apparent is that these people their good deeds and their bad deeds are equal. So they didn't really, they didn't really get into Jannah, nor were they deserving of the fire. So Allah kept them in the middle and eventually he mentions what happens to them. Alhamdulillah, I've managed to connect Alhamdulillah with the other phone. So yeah, I am. How are you, Sheikh Adnan? Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. I was just mentioning 
that the very first story Allah Jalla mentions in Surah Al-A'raf, he speaks about how he created Adam. He mentions after yes. he created Adam, he had ordered the Malaika and everybody or, or all those who were present to prostrate to this being. The Malaika, the angels prostrated. As for Iblis, he did not prostrate. And he mentions, Iblis says, that how can I prostrate to something that I am better than him? I was created from the fire. He is created from clay. How can I prostrate to him? For me, what stands out is that when Iblis looks at himself as being better than Adam, he mentioned something apparent. You know, it's a physical comparison. You created me from the fire. I created, uh, you created me from the fire and you created him from clay or soil. And this fire is more superior. It is better than this clay. I think a lesson we can derive from this is so many times when comparing ourselves or when comparing people, we mistakenly look at, you know, physical aspects of it. I'm better than him because I'm richer. I'm better than him because I'm stronger. I'm better than him because I have a better certificate. I'm more knowledgeable. I'm more deserving. And I think this is one of the traps of Iblis. And if not, this was what Iblis stood for. This was one of his mistakes. Yes, subhanAllah. I think that's uh, the main point that's here is that he was looking at his physical characteristics and being. Uh, uh, yet, what, what I find amazing is that he acknowledges, You created me from fire. So in that very statement of his, he's acknowledging the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over him. So had he only paid enough attention to his own words, he would have uh, taken heed and understood. But unfortunately, his arrogance had uh, made him too drunk, so to say, to be able to see the, the light and the truth. You know, you mentioned such an easy, uh, such an interesting point that when it comes to Iblis, he acknowledged that Allah created him. In another verse of the Quran, he then says, Qala Basically telling Allah and calling him and using one of his names or his attributes and saying, you know, by your might, literally by your permission, I will misguide them all. If anything, some of the scholars mention even Iblis, when, you know, addressing Allah, he used the name or the attribute of Allah. And if Iblis did that, and Allah then said that, okay, I will give you time, you can do whatever you know you wish to do until when I decide after that you will be thrown in the fire forever. Allah Jalla wa'ala gave it to him. If anything, we learn that as believers, those who believe in the names and the attributes of Allah, we should be using them. We are, you know, I don't know, more deserving, or it is more befitting for us to be using and calling out to him by his names and attributes. Absolutely. You know, uh, what comes to my mind is that saying something, we know it doesn't make sense. And we acknowledge this. When we have acknowledged and we know that we're wrong, we need to change the course of uh, the whole direction of that conversation. So uh, we, we need to change our stance immediately and rectify, not to carry on in that because we've said something, it's now embarrassing to, to change, etc. Not to say that Iblis was embarrassed, but that's perhaps a point that we can derive. Nonetheless, yes. When it comes to Iblis, we find that one of his main characteristics that prevented him from prostrating is 
he was arrogant. He thought he was better than everybody else. He acknowledged who Allah is. He knew that Allah had created, but due to his arrogance, you know, that prevented him from doing what he was ordered to do. And at times, as you mentioned, that, you know, we may see ourselves as wrong. We acknowledge ourselves being wrong in certain, certain uh, places and positions. However, we still carry on and due to our arrogance, due to not wanting to own up. Yes, absolutely. Uh, shall we uh, move on to the next story? Yes, Allah Jalla wa ala speaks about how Adam alayhi salam eventually ate from the tree and what happened after that. For me, what stood out is Iblis told them, he came to them and shaitan. You know, he told them quietly, he whispered to them and he told them that I'm indeed one of your well wishes. I'm telling you something that is really good. You're going to be missing out if you don't do this. The lesson I take is that sometimes in our lives, a similar thing occurs where people come to us and, you know, they try to use us. They try to give us certain advice and they put us in the forefront whilst they sit back and they pull strings. They use us. So they say, you know what, do this. I'm telling you. But when you go out to do it, you find that they in the in the background, they're not in the forefront, they're pulling strings. If something goes wrong, you're the one who's in trouble or you've got a problem on your hands. I think that's a very, very valid point, and it's very relevant today because uh, people are actually using the youth at times to, uh, you know, uh, push a certain agenda forward. And they have agendas, they have uh, a goal that you, they want to achieve, and they use the youth in order to get there. Unfortunately, you find that because the youth have got this uh, feeling of... Uh, Hamas, you know, they call it Hamas in Arabic, where they feel very highly powered uh, and they, they, they've got a lot of zest in them. Then they immediately say, OK, let's take on this challenge and let's do etc. Not realizing that they're being used for someone's agenda or someone's goal to achieve something. So I think that's a very valid point, especially in today's world where you have uh, different forms of extremism, etc. Yes, I think if anything we learn is that don't be used by other people, especially, you know, to fulfill somebody else's agenda. You find people wasting their whole lives and not knowing what they're chasing, not knowing that they are being used. Allah Jalla wa then mentions the story of the people of Al-A'raf. He actually mentions the conversation that goes on between the people of Jannah and the people of uh, Jahannam and how, you know, there's a back and forth and this one is saying this, this one is saying this. He mentions that there are people known as or people on the edge, basically, or in the middle. Al-A'raf. Al-A'raf in the middle, they are neither have good deeds, enough good deeds to enter Jannah, nor do they have enough bad deeds to go into the fire. So they are in the middle. Yes. Uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us of people who are in the middle. We usually talk about Jannah and Jahannam. We only talk about how there are people from paradise and people from hellfire. Yet we, we don't talk about this group. Now, what, what, what amazes me in this is that these people will be, they won't have enough good deeds to enter into Jannah and they won't have enough bad deeds to enter into the fire. They'll have equal amounts. That's what some of the Mufassireen say. But... Because they would be hoping for the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will forgive them and let them go into Jannah. Now, this teaches us that, you know, 
Your bad deeds shouldn't stop you from doing good deeds. Innal hasanat yudhibna sayyat. Indeed, good deeds they eliminate and remove the bad deeds. So try as much as possible to do as much good as you can because perhaps you'll be worst case scenario with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from amongst these people who are on Al-A'raf. Yes, you want to hope for the best. You want to hope that you'll be allowed into Jannah directly and immediately uh, without, you know, without having to go through this, this test or this trial. But ultimately, uh, when you do good deeds, more and more good deeds, then you know that you've got at least some sort of backing when you go into uh, the next life. You know, you mentioned such an important point that when it comes to, you know, even if you've done bad and evil, don't give up on life, don't give up on your faith, don't give up on the little good you used to do. You know what? Carry on doing it. You don't know where you will benefit, you know, from this. The point I wanted to mention when it comes to this story, Allah Jalla wa'ala mentions in uh, the conversation, the conversation that goes on, one of the things mentioned, Again, there's a lot of different opinions as to who's speaking, who's being addressed. You find that Allah, Allah is saying, according to one of the opinions, that the people of A'raf, they will be looking at the people of the fire and also the people of Jannah. They'll know certain people who are there. So they will tell the people of the fire, you were the ones who took an oath and you said, that these, these people in Jannah, these poor people, you know, these people who are lesser down in society, so to speak, they would not enter Jannah. You said they will not receive the mercy of Allah. Allah Jalla wa'ala then says, Jannah. This, what is, this khitab or this address is to who? According to one of the opinions, he is telling the people of Al-A'raf, the people in the middle. We haven't really gone into Jannah or Jahannam. It's saying through his mercy, Allah Jalla tells them to enter Jannah. The point I take from this is in this conversation, we find that there was a group of people taking an oath to say that these people will never receive the mercy of Allah. They will not receive goodness. They will not get into Jannah, etc. Sometimes we make a mistake or we are wrong to judge people, especially to say, you know what, this one, and take oaths to say this one will never go into Jannah and they will never, Allah will never grant them goodness. And we make that mistake quite often. So we ask Allah Jalla wa'ala to forgive us. Yes, subhanAllah, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows who will go into Jannah and who will go into uh, the hellfire, etc. Uh, there, there was an interesting story, if I can, if time permits, uh, we can just quickly mention it, that I heard from one of the mashayikh, the scholars, and he says that, you know, there was a man who'd always tell, he'd advise another person who was being, uh, he, he was doing the wrong wrong deeds and wrong things. He was uh, engaged in some uh, haram actions, etc. So he'd always advise him and tell him, you know, uh, you should come to the masjid, do good, do etc. He was advising him all the time. And then one day he got tired of him and he said, Wallahi, Allah won't forgive you. So this man said, wait, I'll show you. Allah won't forgive me. Let me show you. And he uh, decided to go. He made his Umrah. He went and he went to perform Umrah. And whilst he's performing the Umrah, he's making Tawaf and he, he died whilst he was in this Tawaf. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted this person to die in that Tawaf. Imagine this man is telling him, Wallahi, you won't enter. Wallahi, Allah won't forgive you. You know, 
And here he says, look, I'll show you, Allah will forgive me. And because he had this hope in the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, literally the sign is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgave him. This is what we take from the sign that he died in a good manner. So we should never ever really uh, decide for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who's going to Jannah and who's not. You know, you mentioned such, you know, a touching point and an important point. It's also mentioned in the story of Musa alayhi salam. There were, you know, there were a group of people, or there were two people, one who was very religious and the other one who was carrying out sin. And one day this religious person, he said that, Wallahi, Allah will not forgive this person. And then Allah says that, who is this who's coming to decide who I'll forgive and who my mercy will reach and who it will not? Allah then decided that this religious person his deeds would be nullified and cancelled. And as for the one who was sinning, Allah forgives him. We ask Allah Jalla yes. wa to forgive us and grant us goodness. Later on, we find towards the end of this juz, Allah Jalla wa mentions the story of the Anbiya, a few of the Anbiya in a bit more detail. He speaks about Nuh alayhi salam, uh, Hud alayhi salam, Salih alayhi salam, and lastly, Shu'aib alayhi salam. Looking at these stories as a whole, I think the point I took from this is. The Anbiya, they came with something or they came with a message at a time where, especially amongst the people of Nuh alayhi salam, he came with something that they were not used to. They didn't know. He came with a message to say, worship Allah. They had forgotten, as mentioned in some of the books or some of the books of Hadith, that after 10 generations, you know, they started associating partners with Allah. The point I want to mention is they started calling him and telling him that, you know what, you're a foolish person. You, somebody who's not all there, how can you call us to things we don't even know? Sometimes in today's time or in the world we live in, not the same example, I'm saying a similar example. When somebody comes up with something new, I'm not talking about something new in the religion, I'm not talking about innovation in the religion, I'm talking about a new idea, a new concept, a new way of doing something. It doesn't have to be, you know, maybe on social media, maybe. You know, it's a wasila, a means of doing it, maybe to run a business. You know, the first thing, because us human beings, we used to and holding on to what we learned, we detest and we throw away that change, not keeping our minds open to this new idea. So, yes, speaking about the Anbiya, Allah is saying that these are the stories where the Anbiya are calling them to worship one Allah. We're not saying innovate in this. He's saying that their people, because they were so stuck in their ways, it didn't open their minds. They said, no, we only want to follow what we found our forefathers doing, and we will stay rigid like this. Yes, that's a top, top point. You know, a lot of people, especially when it comes to technology, etc., uh, you know, there's advancements in te technology today, and people think that because it's new, it's haram, immediately haram. No, hold on. Uh, take a moment, see what it is about. We're not talking about dini aspects here where a person saying uh, we're including, you know, a certain act of worship into the religion. No, we're talking about advancements in the dunya. So when it comes to these advancements, etc., let's not just judge immediately or uh, say that it's a bad thing. Uh, we tend to, uh, you know, think of it as something bad. I, I totally agree with that uh, point, Sheikh. Uh, you know, where, where the Anbiya والسلام, are being told that indeed we see that you are in clear misguidance. Then uh, again, we find that the Nabi of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being told that you are foolish. Uh, and we think you are from 
amongst the liars. What was their response? They were uh, blasphemed in front of the people, but they immediately says, said, said, I have no uh, foolishness. But I am a messenger from the Rabb of the worlds, the Lord of the worlds. So they never really responded to that in kind. They weren't uh, abusive back to their people, but they knew that they came with a greater goal, and that was to pass on the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the people. So the, similarly, today you have people, you go out there, you, you're giving a good message, you're trying to say something good. People will say things about you. People will call you names. Uh, people will uh, judge you and say bad things about you. Uh, don't respond in kind because what it does is it will take you and divert you from the path that you're on. And ultimately, you end up somewhere else and they've achieved what they wanted. Because had the Anbiya stopped at that point and said, no, but you're also foolish and begun to argue with these people, then perhaps the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wouldn't have gotten to the people or they wouldn't have achieved what they wanted from their uh, lives. But they knew that we are on a greater mission. So they didn't do this and they made sure that they focused on their goals. Yes, so many times we find distractions come to us in many different forms. And we find a lot of times we end up giving these situations more than they deserve. We end up wasting our time, our resources, and then sometimes we forget about our mission and we start trying to prove who we are. So that's a very important point. Uh, another interesting point I'll mention is that in one of the hadith, it's mentioned, Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah mentions in Riyadh al-Salihin, the hadith of a man who came before, a pious person who was, you know, he was stoned by his people. And he carried on, they carried on stoning him and doing bad to him. And Allah Jalla wa'ala eventually, you know, forgives him, enters him into Jannah. He also makes dua for them. One of the scholars mentions at this hadith when explaining, he says that sometimes, or in fact, a lot of times we do good deeds. You know, when you carry out a good deed and, you know, we doubt, were we sincere? Were we sincere 100%? And we not really sure, is this good deed accepted? Allah sends certain afflictions in your life to raise your level for you to also get good deeds and to nurture you, to show you that, you know what? It was also difficult for the people who came before you. It's not going to be, you know, bliss and plain sailing for you also. Yes, subhanAllah. So uh, I guess we're all going to be tested in that way. Yeah. Shukana, is there anything else you'd like to mention? Uh, you know, also we, we were talking about how uh, people they will blaspheme you, they'll talk bad about you, etc. Some people will always have something bad to say. Uh, I think it's also important to note that where they have a valid point, we should try to take it on board. But at the same time, they shouldn't be doing it in a bad manner. So they should advise the person in a beautiful way, try to do it in a nice way so that it will be palatable and acceptable to the person. But where I'm wrong... Uh, I, I should acknowledge that I'm wrong and say it clearly outright because ultimately this is the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't want to be uh, playing around with it and changing it, etc. Uh, we'd rather be acknowledged that we're wrong, change it and move on. Yes, change our mistake and move on. You know, as, as you mentioned that if somebody's come to us in the wrong way or they've addressed us, if we've made the mistake, yes, the mistake is on us. 
their uslub or their way of doing it is their problem, their sin. So we should be aware and, you know, rectify our mistakes, no matter where this correction comes from. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking, addressing the believers after they had, you know, a big problem with uh, the people of Quraysh. At the time, he said that this hatred, you know, this hatred and this problem that's between you should not prevent you from being just with one another. And this justice has a broad meaning. Yes, yes, that's that's the epitome of justice because being just with people that have harmed you or done something wrong to you is really, really difficult. I mean, you really want to take the opportunity to get back at that person, but uh, if you fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you'll do what's right. Ultimately, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from those who accept, you know, where we are wrong and grant us the ability to rectify our mistakes. Shaykhana, is there anything else you'd like to add? I think there's a question that was interesting to say that good deeds eliminate bad deeds. Are there any bad deeds that eliminate good deeds? Yes, there are bad deeds that eliminate good deeds. And uh, there's a lot of detail mentioned in this. Uh, for example, like uh, Allah Jalla wa'ala, when addressing the Nabi, the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he tells him that, if you know what you have to go back and leave the worship of Allah, start associating, all your deeds will uh, be nullified. So yes, there are a few bad deeds which may eliminate good deeds. Yes, subhanAllah. And then what also comes to mind is how uh, a person who's bankrupt comes on the day of Qiyamah and he'll uh, have so many good deeds, but he'll start to give from his good deeds to the people that he swore and he ate their wealth and he uh, spilled their blood, etc., until he'll have no good deeds left. Uh, so his bad deeds will literally be eating into his good deeds. That's so true. Another interesting point when it comes to deeds, uh, as we know, the deeds are, are weighed. Allah knows best. Yes, there is a number of deeds, and then there is the actual deed itself, how heavy it is and how you know, how great the deed is. So it might be one deed, but it's heavy on the scales. Or it may be 10 deeds and it's not as heavy. So sometimes if a person does so many good deeds, but one evil deed, one bad deed that may outweigh, you know, this these good deeds, and Allah knows best. But if you look in the Quran, the tafsir, and some of the explanations of the scholars, you would find that this concept is mentioned. Yes, so so true. You know, I didn't think of that, that some are more weightier. Although we know that some deeds are more weightier than others, it's it's so important that we realize this, that some are more weightier than others. And we don't know. Uh, perhaps the deed that you've done afterwards is, is much worse than the good deed. So you'll actually earn a lot more uh, bad deeds than, than anything. You know, adding to the point of where we said deeds are multiplied, especially good deeds, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the third juice, he speaks about how he multiplies these good deeds. You know, uh, so many fold, he mentions a number. Uh, I, I forgot the ayah. But in that ayah at the end, he says, Wallahu liman yasha. So after mentioning a specific number, speaking about the, you know, the corns, right? So you've got seven ears of corn. Each one of them, 
في كل سنبلة 100 حبة it has 100 grains so this is multiplication he then says والله يضاعف لمن يشاء Allah multiplies even more for whomsoever he wishes some of the scholars mention like Ibn Kathir rahimahullah that verse he says this is according to the ikhlas and sincerity of a person so you want your deeds to be multiplied further look at your intention and your heart Subhanallah. So you can make a very small deed become very big uh, with the intention. Yes. Jazakallah yes. khair, uh, Sheikh. Ameen wa iyyakum. Inshallah, we meet tomorrow and we'll discuss some of the stories mentioned in the ninth juz. Also, the story of Shu'aib alayhi salam, if we look, it's mentioned at the end of the eighth juz and then goes into the ninth juz. We may touch on that tomorrow also, inshallah, as well as the ninth juz. We find a lot of the, the majority of it is speaking about the story of Musa alayhi salam, his different encounters, how he got revelation, what happened with Banu Israel and Fir'aun, etc. Even all you that know, for tomorrow. Yes, before we leave, uh, you, you've got some uh, programs that you do as well. So I believe there's a tafsir and a short reminder as well on your account. Uh, perhaps you can enlighten us a bit further so people who want to benefit can really benefit. Well, during the month of Ramadan, alhamdulillah, we started to, you know, give a brief explanation of some of the suwar, the chapters which are frequently read by the people. So you find uh, before that we did, I did do something on short videos on Surah Al-Fatiha and then the last 10 surahs one or two years ago. This year, actually, I had no plan of doing any of these programs. I didn't plan. But uh, my wife had suggested she had a program. She wanted some content for the 30th Jews. So she then told me that, you know what, give us a small brief explanation of the tafsir for this specific project. And after that, alhamdulillah, you know, I started reading. And from there, I just try to take the ayah, the verse, explain it, and stick to what's in the verse, sometimes going to a little bit more detail. The whole aim being, when it comes to these verses, we constantly read them. So even somebody who doesn't know Arabic, at least he'll be able to understand Surah Al-Fatiha and the last 10 surah of the Quran from Surah Al-Fil up to the end. Yes, we did start from the 30th Jews. Whoever wants to find these, uh, they can find them. They've been uh, uploaded on YouTube and elsewhere. Yes, inshallah. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Inshallah, we'll see you tomorrow. Inshallah. Sheikh, any of the, your programs, I've been following the one you have on you know, the short reminders on Muslim Central? Yes, uh, mashallah, I've been doing those uh, every night at half nine. Uh, it will be uploaded sometimes because of my internet. It takes a bit of time uh, beyond the, the, the appointed hour. But uh, alhamdulillah, they've been going well. It's just a short reminder. Uh, I'm trying to keep it from one Jews of the Quran, you know, so that we can benefit from it. Uh, 30 Jews, 30 days. And, and, and benefit from uh, the various ayat. So that's one that I'm doing. And then, uh, yes, the, the, the other one is this one. So inshallah, you can find them uh, online on our profiles. You can find it on our YouTube channels as well. And uh, we hope that there's benefit. Inshallah. Uh, last point I'd like to mention, uh, you know, for the people who follow, yes, we are sitting, uh, firstly, I myself am benefiting, even yourself. And then we hope that those who follow, you know, they take some sort of benefit. If there's any suggestions how, you know, we can carry out this uh, session, especially after Ramadan, how should we do it? Maybe the topics you'd like us to discuss, also different programs. You know, as you mentioned that 
the, the program you're doing, I think that somebody might have suggested it to you. Same with me. So we benefit from other people's ideas. And bidnillah, that will also be a reason for you being rewarded, bidnillah. Most definitely, most definitely. Shaykh, I think we'll leave it there. Inshallah, Shaykh. Jazakallah khair. Amin. Wa iyaakum. Barakallah. Wa alaykum as-salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.